Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 4 this morning. Matthew chapter 4. <clears throat> we're missing Jameson and Madison this morning and, and uh, didn't realize that they were going to be out of town when we scheduled the kids to sing. And so they'll have to jump in the next time. They practiced with everybody and then they said, oh, we're, gonna, we're not going to be here on that Sunday. Oh, man. So, but um, pray for them while they're gone. I know they're having a good time and everybody needs to get away. Matthew chapter 4. Now, I'm not, I'm not much of a fisherman. I proved that on our family vacation this past year. We, uh, I know Daryl does a lot of fishing, and, and others of you, and, and uh, are good fishermen. I don't put myself in that category. We, um, uh, every year, my wife's whole family rents a, a large house, and they, we spend a few days together. Everybody kind of gets their own room and bathroom, and you know, the, you know, each family stays in, this, uh, in a room, and, and we stay in a big house together. Well, this year... We rented, uh, this past June, rented a, a house on a, on a very large property in Gordonsville. And actually, the house was owned by James Madison at one point. And, I mean, the property is still there, and they've kind of turned it. It's not a resort, but they have little cabins here and there that you can rent, little houses that you can rent. And there's, you know, um, uh, horses everywhere and all kinds. Of, this is a nice little place. But they had a pond on this, uh, on this property. And so... All the kids decided to go down there and go fishing, you know, and, and Jason, her brother, and we have fishing poles, and, and uh, uh, so a bunch of them, we all decided to go down there and go fishing, and so we are catching fish left and right. I, should, I shouldn't say we, because I was not included in that. All the kids are catching fish left and right, and I, for as hard as I tried, could not get a fish. So there would be a little place, and I mean, and I'm telling you, how old is Grayson and, and uh, Darren and these guys? Five, six years old, catching fish, and so I slide down kind of to where they're at if they're catching fish and throw it out there, and that was kind of like the death knell for that little spot, because as soon as I threw my line in the water, the fish started biting somewhere else, you know? They bit plenty, but they just ate my worms. That's all they kept doing, you know? So I said, you know, I am determined. I'm going to catch a fish, so I went down there by myself. Grabbed the fishing pole, put some worms on there, nothing. Went down there with everybody, nothing. By the end of those three or four days that we were there, every single person had caught a fish except for me. I could not get a fish to bite my line. And I have no idea why, but I've caught a few fish in my life, and I will say that there's nothing like the feeling of hooking a nice fish and having it fight, you know, fight with you while you're reeling it in. But I'm not a fisherman by any stretch. But that's exactly what Jesus, who Jesus was talking to in Matthew chapter 4, is to some fishermen. And in Matthew chapter 4, in verse number 18, the Bible says this, And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw two other brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. Now, fishing is supposed to be fun, especially when you're catching fish. Uh, but Jesus gave the command to the disciples in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 19, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Fishing gets people excited, but fishing for men is better still. Now, I don't mean that you should be going out and hooking men. I'm sure a lot of you have stories. We have a story. Brian was out there, you know, my parents told us, this is when we were growing up, you cannot go outside until we get home. 
Brian had a new fishing pole, and he was desperate to use that thing, so he's standing on the front step of the door inside the house because we're not allowed to go outside, but he's casting out into the yard, reeling that thing back in there. And one of my little brothers walked up, and he went to cast that thing, and it didn't go anywhere. He turned around, and the hook was stuck right in his ear, and they couldn't get it out. So they had to wait until my parents got home to get the hook out of his ear. And they finally got it out. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about hooking men and fishing them. He's talking about winning souls to Jesus Christ. Now, we ought to be out fishing for men. There are a few things in life that can compare to witnessing someone pray and receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. Our theme this year is each one reach one. Our job is to fish for men and to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So this morning, let's look at several principles for catching men in 2020. We'll pray, and then we'll look at some of these principles this morning. Father, we love you. Give me a thank you so much for how good you are to us. I thank you for the time we can spend together around your word. I pray that you'd make it profitable for us, and that as we look at uh, these, this passage and some other verses, God, that you would just speak to our hearts about, the, about our desire to win souls for you. And God, may we all be determined that we'll be fishers of men and that each one of us will do our best to reach one for you this year. Thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I've got eight points this morning, and I know that sounds like a lot. Don't panic. They're going to be quick. But the first one is this, the command of Christ. In Matthew chapter 4, and we're going to kind of focus around Matthew chapter 4. We'll look at a couple different verses, so keep a, keep a bookmark or something in there because we're going to keep coming back to it. But the, I think kind of the key verse in that whole little passage right there is verse number 19. He saith unto them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus said, follow me. That was the command of Jesus Christ. And that's the first thing that jumped out to me in this passage when I started to study through it. Follow me, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. He could have just said, look, catching fish is good, but catch men. No, he said, follow me. He gave them that command, follow Jesus Christ. It takes an obedience to the command of Christ to win people to Jesus Christ. I've mentioned it before, but we're good at coming up with excuses why we cannot do it. I'm not going to go into all those excuses this morning, but Curtis Hudson said, the only alternative to soul winning is disobedience to Christ. The only alternative to soul winning is disobedience to Christ, because we have been commanded to win souls to Jesus Christ. We've been commanded to go and to share the message of the gospel. If we're going to be followers of Christ this year, then we're going to have to be seeking to reach the lost. Now, the Great Commission is found in Matthew chapter uh, 28 verses 19 and 20. It's found in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. But as believers, we need to be making Christ's last command our greatest priority. The last command that he gave the disciples and to all of us before he went back into heaven is go and preach the gospel. And that's what we ought to be doing. One of the, on the flyleaf of a well-known pastor's Bible was written this, they will not seek, they must be sought. They will not come they must be brought. They will not study. They must be taught. That is so important because that's exactly what Christ commanded us to do is to go and be fishers of men. The command of Christ, but also the casting of the net. If you go back into uh, verse number 18, and Jesus walking by the sea of Galilee saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, Andrew his brother, and uh, his brother casting a net into the sea for they were fishers. I think it's interesting to note that Peter and Andrew are casting a net when Jesus uses this metaphor to call them to follow. Now, 
nobody had ever said, go be a fisher of men before. But Jesus used the situation that they were in to come down. I wouldn't say come down to their level, but to, but to be able to relate to them. And he said, look, you're casting nets. You know all about fishing. Now follow me, and I'm going to make you a fisher of men. There's a great principle in this passage, the casting of the net. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus gave the parable of the net and the fish. In fact, turn over to Matthew chapter 13. And, and, and I'm not going to read the entire parable this morning. He, he actually talks about a bunch of different things in this passage. He talks about the parable of the leaven, the parable of the mustard seed, the wheat and the tares, the, the hidden treasure, the pearl of great price. But then he talks about the parable of the net in verse number 47. Again, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind. We must cast the gospel net before we can catch fish. You're not going to catch anything if you don't throw a line out. Amen. You're not going to catch anything if you don't throw out a net, right? I mean, I, I, did, I did my best to throw out a line, and I still didn't catch anything, but I definitely wouldn't have caught anything if I was just standing there hoping the fish would jump on the shore right next to me, right? I'm not going to catch any fish that way. You have to throw the net in. You've got to throw the hook out there. You have to actively be a fisher of men. They're not just going to jump into the boat. And if our Christianity is worth having, then it must be worth sharing. Amen. And if that's the case, then we have to share the gospel before sinners can be converted. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 13, we've used this verse a lot, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But do you know what the next verse says? You probably have heard it before. Verse 14 says, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Now, it's not saying that, oh, well, they've got to get them into church so the preacher can preach the gospel to them and they can hear and get saved. No, we are all preachers. A preacher is just somebody who proclaims, and our job is to proclaim the message of the gospel. How are they going to know what to do if they've never heard how to do it? And how are they going to hear how to do it if nobody's ever told them? That's what Jesus is talking about in that parable. Sure, everyone can be saved, but only those who hear the gospel can be saved. Just as a net is cast at the place the fisherman believes that there's an opportunity, we have to be sensitive to share the gospel with everybody, right? Where's, where there's an opportunity, we should be casting a net. Jesus met with people right where they were. He didn't care if they were Pharisees. He didn't care if they were Republicans. He didn't care if they were Gentiles. He didn't care if they were Jews. He was going to do what he could to reach them with the message of the gospel. He knew that some, he knew that some Christians today still don't understand. We have friends and family and neighbors that we have a responsibility to reach. We have to cast the net. Now, I don't know. I have not done this study myself, but I came across a study that was done that the Gospels record 132 contacts that Jesus had with people in the Bible. Six of them were in the temple, four of them were in the synagogues, and 122 of them were out with people, telling them about the Gospel. They were just out with people in the mainstream of life. Most of the people that Jesus won to himself were not one in the temple. They were not one in the synagogues. They were one, one by one, by one, by one. If we started going through some of those uh, examples, you can think about Zacchaeus, one man in a sycamore tree who came down and Jesus went to his house, right? The woman at the well, one woman who he met in her need and told her how she could be forgiven of her sins. And on and on and on it goes. Jesus cast the net and he didn't care who was reached in that net. He was trying to draw them in. The third thing that we see is the creatures in 
than that. And this is basically, it goes right along with that, uh, this last point. But Mark chapter 16 and verse 15 says what? Go, on, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Every person needs the gospel. Preach the gospel to every creature. Now, certainly that means we have a responsibility to go to the rest of the world, but most of us can never leave this country to go to the rest of the world. God doesn't call everybody to go to the rest of the world. He calls some missionaries, and that's why we ought to support missionaries. That's why we ought to pray for our missionaries, because they are doing the job that we've been commanded to do. We're commanded to reach our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And since God has called us here, then we have to have somebody to go represent us to the rest of the uttermost parts of the earth. And that's why it's important that we send missionaries out. It's important that we pray for those missionaries in the work that they're doing. But every person needs the gospel. When you fish with a net, you can't select what type of fish you get. Right? right? You throw a net out there, you can't say, oh, well, I don't want that bass. Let's, let's see if we can make him go away. No. You throw a net out there, you get whoever you get. Or I should say you get whatever you get. Hopefully there's not people in the net when you pull it up. But, but you get whatever you get. You don't, you don't discriminate against who is, you know, what's going to be in that net. It's impossible to send the gospel to the wrong place. It's impossible to give the gospel to the wrong person. Amen. Everyone needs the gospel. The Bible says in Acts chapter 10 and verse 34, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Meaning God doesn't care if you're rich, he doesn't care if you're poor, he doesn't care if you're black, he doesn't care if you're white, he doesn't care what you are. He's not respecting of persons. He wants everyone to come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior, and that's exactly how we ought to be. Well, I'm not going to that neighborhood because you know how those people are. No, we ought to be there. We ought to be trying to win them to Jesus Christ. We're casting the net. We'll take anybody that comes in in that net. That's how it ought to be. That's how Jesus Christ was. We ought to be doing the best that we can to reach whoever we can as long as we can. That's what we've been commanded to do. And we see the command of Christ. We see the casting of the net, the creatures in the net. But number four, the challenge of the fishermen. Turn over to Mark chapter number four. Mark chapter four. Fishing has its challenges, especially for somebody like me. And reaching the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ has its challenges too. Fishermen is exposed to bad elements. Now, I know that you know, most of us are just fair weather fishermen. If it's nice outside, we'll go throw a line in the water. If it's rainy, if it's windy, forget it. But there are some people who do fishing for a living, and it doesn't matter what the weather is. They have to get out there and fish. And I've, I've, I can't even remember the name of the show, but there's a show out there that's, that's a fisherman show. And uh, not, not like you know, bass fishing and stuff like that, but these ones where these guys go out into these, like the Bering Sea and, and do all this you know, serious fishing, and they're dropping down these huge... You know, crates and nets and bringing these up these big boatloads of fish. I can't remember the name of the show. I've seen it before every now and then, like when we happen to be in a hotel or something like that. Uh, but you see some of the conditions that these guys are in. I mean, that is rough. You know, these guys are out there in some terrible weather to try to catch these fish. And they have this little window of time, apparently, where they have the opportunity to catch this certain type of fish that they're trying to catch. And so they got to get out there when they can get out there and get them. And boy, if that doesn't, you know, if that doesn't remind you of exactly what our situation is, you know, we have just a little bit of time and we've got to get out there and win them. It doesn't matter what kind of difficulties we face. It doesn't matter what kind of bad elements we're going to be exposed to. Mark chapter 4 and verse 37 says this, and there arose a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. 
And he was, talking about Jesus, in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him, and they said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he rose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? As Christians that live in a troubled world, it's not going to be easy to tell people about Jesus Christ. And it's, this world is getting more and more hostile toward Christians who are trying to spread the message of the gospel. But we have to have faith in Christ to believe that when he has told us to go, then he's going to bless our efforts. Fishermen get tossed around on troubled seas. The fisherman is exposed to bad elements, but they, the work of a fisherman is hard labor. They say that every year fishing boats capsize on the Bering Sea. Men have to take turns gearing up to go out into the weather because it's so difficult. And they actually have guys that will stand there, and their job is to stand near the front of the ship with a baseball bat and beat the chunks of ice off the front of that ship. I mean, is fishing worth that? Not to me. To them it is. That's their livelihood. That's what they love doing. And, and these guys, you know, uh, so what, what most people would, would consider to be a miserable existence, they're out there, yeah, this is great, you know, beat the ice off the front of the ship. You know, I don't care that it's negative, you know, negative temperatures and I'm out here freezing to death soaking wet, you know, bouncing up and down on this ship in, a, in the middle of a, you know, in the middle of a storm. This is awesome, you know. They do it because that's their job and that's what they know they need to do in order to make a living. And the work of a fisherman is hard labor, and Satan is going to do everything that he can to discourage God's people from becoming fishers of men. He's not going to make it easy on us. Curtis Hudson again said this. He said, it's the Christian's business to populate heaven and to depopulate hell. That's our job. And it doesn't matter what we have to do to make that happen. That is our business. That's our job. That's our responsibility. Just as you become more skilled by fishing, with other great fishermen, the more skilled you become in leading people to Jesus Christ when you do it. Amen. And look, if you want to be, if you want to learn how to win somebody to Jesus Christ, if you're afraid to come out because, well, I don't know how to talk to somebody at the door. Look, we're not going to throw you out there and make you go talk to somebody at the door on your first time out. Come out. Go with somebody that's been doing it for a while. Learn from them how to do it. Look, all, all fishing for men is is telling them how they can know Jesus Christ as their Savior. But I understand it. Sometimes when you knock on the door and you don't know who's on the other side and it's a little intimidating, it might take some time of going with somebody else who's done it, who's, who's been fishing for men for a long time to learn how to do that. But the more you do it, the more comfortable you get with it and the more you tell other people about Jesus Christ. Same thing with passing out tracks. You know, you go through the drive-thru and, oh, this is awkward. I mean, you know, can I give you something? But look, the more you give people tracks, the more you hand out the message of the gospel, the easier it becomes to do it. You know, everything is intimidating the very first time. How is it that people get good at doing what they do? It's because they just did it. Look, for me, preaching was that way. <laughs> I couldn't stand to get up in front of people and talk. You look at me and never know that now, but you know Why? Because I felt this is something that God called me to do, so I just did it and did it and did it and did it, and now it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter the size of the crowd. It doesn't bother me to get up and speak. I, I can do it now. But it's not because, oh, I'm this great speaker. It's because I just did it, and I did it, and I did it, and I did it. And the same thing with telling people about Jesus Christ. The more you do it, the easier it gets. Amen. But it's still our responsibility to do it. Right. It's not going to be easy. 
But I'm reminded of what Jesus Christ himself said in Luke chapter 19 and verse number 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus didn't come to be a good teacher and tell us how to live. He did that. Jesus didn't come to be a prophet. He did that. The Bible is very clear about why Jesus came. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And that's our responsibility. That is our job. We have to keep in mind that the only generation that can reach this generation for Christ is our generation. And if we fail, we fail this generation. Number five is the commitment of the fishermen. Turn over to Luke chapter 5. Sometimes fishermen fish all night and take in nothing. Sometimes they fish all day and the next day and the next day and can't even catch a little sunfish like everybody else does. That's what happened to me on vacation last year. But they don't quit. In Luke chapter 5 and verse number 5, Simon answering unto him said, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word I will let down the net. See, we have to remember that God will always bless our labor. And I'm not talking about fishing necessarily when it comes to actual fishing. But in fishing for men, sometimes we fish and fish and fish and fish, and we catch nothing. We tell people about Christ, and tell people about Christ, and tell people about Christ, and it seems that nobody gets saved. And it's getting harder and harder to fish for men in this world, but we can't quit. Do you know what happens in Luke chapter 5? Simon tells Jesus, we fished all night. We've caught nothing. And Jesus said, put your nuts on the other side. All right, you told us to do it. So, I mean, we, we've been out here all night. We haven't caught anything. Jesus said, cast your nets on the other side. And Peter said, all right, well, because you said it, I'll do it. And what happened? They cast their nets on the other side of that boat, and there were so many fish in that net that they could barely bring it up, and the boats actually started to sink because there were so many fish in that boat. That's exactly what Jesus Christ wants to do to us. But look, what, ha what would have happened if Peter had said, Jesus, I mean, all due respect, sir, you're not a fisherman. We've been out here all night, and we haven't caught anything. I mean, I, I would love to believe that you think that all we have to do is throw the net on the other side, but there's only a few feet between one side of the boat and the other. So thanks for the help, but we're done. We've been out here all night. I'm tired. I'm ready to go to bed. He never would have seen that miracle. And that's exactly what happens so many times in our lives. We tell people about Jesus Christ, nobody gets saved. It ain't worth it. Nobody gets saved anymore. People don't listen to it. People don't want to hear the gospel. I'm not done. I'm done. And we go in. When maybe the next door is all we needed to go to and somebody would get saved. The next time we go out, somebody might get saved. You don't know. You don't know how God's going to bless it. But dedicated soul winners do not give up. They're committed to sharing the gospel. We'll dedicate our time and our attention to something. Why not dedicate our time and our attention to winning souls for Jesus Christ? Here's number six, the catch of the fishermen. And I got a little a bit ahead of myself, but that's exactly what we're talking about. God desires for us to catch a great number of fish. If you, you're there in Luke chapter five, verse number six says this, and when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. We have no doubt that God wants us to win souls. There's no question about that. 
Don't you think that when we follow him and go fishing for men that he's going to bless us? He said that he will. Why wouldn't he do it? We can't become satisfied with our past successes. We have to continue to reach other people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And even if they don't get saved, we have to keep at them and keep at them and keep at them, right? It's like that trophy fish or the trophy buck. I know it's out there. I just got to go get it. I might have to use a different tool. I might have to use a different gun. I might have to use a different technique. I might have to use something, but I'm going to get that fish. I'm going to get that deer, right? And we keep pursuing it and keep pursuing it and keep pursuing it. It might be 10, it might be 15 years, but I finally got it. And now well, it's hanging on the wall, you know. Not, don't, don't do that to somebody that you win to Jesus Christ. <laughs> but keep pursuing them. Keep pursuing them, you know. I've got a whole room of heads on my wall of people that have won for Christ. I'm kidding, I don't. But we've got to keep pursuing because you don't know. And if it doesn't work the first time, then change the technique and, and go at it a different way. But keep going. Keep going. God wants us to win souls, and he wants us to win a lot of souls for him. The Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. There's almost 8 billion people in this world. And I venture to say that there's a huge percentage of those that don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. He wants all to come to repentance. If he wants all to come to repentance, then he, should, he, he can sure give us a whole lot more than what we're seeing. We've got to be consistent. We've got to be faithful. Number seven, the compassion of the fishermen. Over and over and over in the Bible, we're told that Jesus was moved with compassion. Moved with compassion on the crowd. Moved with compassion because they were as a sheep that had no shepherd. Compassion compels us to action. You don't have to turn there, but in Jude 22... Compassion is truly what makes the difference in the life of others. And of some, the Bible says, have compassion making a difference. Amen. Some have compassion making a difference. Our goal this year is for each person to win one person. If we're moved with compassion toward those people that do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, if we're moved with compassion toward the people that are in our family, if we're moved with compassion toward the people that we work with, if we're moved with compassion toward the people that we run into all the time, then we will make a difference in their life. We can win at least one person for Jesus Christ. We can all win one person. Compassion makes that difference. So let's make a difference for eternity. Let's have that compassion. Number eight, turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We saw the command of Christ, the casting of the net, the creatures in the net, the challenge of the fishermen, the commitment of the fishermen, the catch of the fishermen, the compassion of the fishermen, and lastly, the crown of fishing for men. The crown of fishing for men. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul is writing to the Thessalonians, and he says this in verse number 19. For what is our hope, or joy, or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? For ye are our glory and joy. What a reward of victory. I can't help but think that the Apostle Paul must have thought back over all those years of, of torture and hard times. He must have thought about all the persecution and all the times that he was turned down, all the times that he was driven out of a city. And here he is writing to the Thessalonians, and he's... You know, I, I, he must have thought, it was all worth it. It was worth it all. You are our crown of rejoicing. Seeing you in heaven someday is going to be that crown of rejoicing that we get. Knowing that I had an instrumental part in winning that person to Jesus Christ. 
Boy, what a crown. What a, what, a, what a reward. And Paul says that about the Thessalonians. What's our hope? What's our joy? What's our crown of rejoicing? It's you. It's the people that we've won for Christ. And you see, you go back through 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians and some of these other passages and see what Paul suffered through in order to win people for Jesus Christ. And I can imagine that there were times when Paul thought, this is not worth it. This is ridiculous. How many more times am I going to have to come within an inch of my life before I finally end up getting killed? Is it worth it? I'm sure the devil tried to feed him that a few times. But then he sits down to write to the Thessalonians, and he starts to think about all of those people that came to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. All of those churches that were started. All of the people that were in those churches that were now going out and winning other people for Jesus Christ. And I can't help but think that Paul must have thought it was worth all of that for the cause of Jesus Christ. I've heard a lot of great fishing stories. I haven't been enough to call myself a fisherman, but I've caught a couple big ones. I have at least one picture to prove it. Brother Josh, there we go. Beat that, Daryl. I'm kidding. <laughs> I caught that down at, uh, we were fishing down at, um, in Hopewell, by where the Appomattox and the James River come together. There's nothing down there that you want to eat, trust me, because there's some nasty stuff that pours into that river. But we were out there fishing, and I actually caught that with a fish head. It's 32 pounds. You have to, you have, in order to get a citation on a catfish, it has to be 40. Uh, so I didn't get a citation on it, but I got a picture out of it anyway. I like to fish every now and then when I'm given the opportunity. But that's not what I'm living to pursue. I'm not living to pursue fishing. You know, because honestly, yeah, it's a nice picture to show off here and there. That's one of the only fish I've ever caught. So I had to, you know, <laughs> I had to show it to somebody to make it look like I've done something as a fisherman. But that, you know, that's, that's not my life. It's, it's nice. I mean, it's great. You know, by the way, that little, that little um, those catfish have those really sandpapery, you know, sharp teeth. And so I had that rag in there to hold it on the teeth so that I wouldn't get scraped up with those things. And when I threw the fish back in there, I went to grab that, and it bit down on it and took my rag with it. I said, if you wanted a yellow rag to eat, then fine. Somebody's going to catch that thing later and pull it up and cut it open and find a yellow rag inside that fish's belly. But we have a, a, a job that's so much more important than just fishing from a boat, just throwing a line out there. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's fun. It's fun for some people. But the greatest, the greatest moments in life are centered around sharing the message of the gospel with people and then seeing them come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. You know how exciting it is to see JJ and Cherie get saved and their family, and now Jameson just got saved a, a week or so ago. Miss Joanne just got saved. Riley just got saved. It's exciting. That's exciting. Oh, catching a great, uh, a big fish. Hey, it's nice. Let's take a picture with this fish. But it's, it's, it's exciting to win souls for Jesus Christ. It's exciting to see people get that settled. It's exciting for people to know for sure that they're going to heaven and to know that that's going to change their life because now they know Jesus Christ is their Savior. The greatest moments of my life are, are, are centered around leading people to Jesus Christ. One pastor said this, we can never evangelize the world until the evangelized become evangelists. You can never evangelize the world until the evangelized become evangelists. You know what that means? That means once you have eternal life, your job is to tell everybody else how they can find it. I've said it before, but all it is is one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. 
doesn't make me any better. It doesn't make me something special because I know Jesus Christ is my Savior, although, you know, to God. But it doesn't mean that I'm better than anybody else because I'm saved. It means that I have a great responsibility. What does the Bible say? To whom much has been given, of him shall be much required. Because if you've been given the gospel and you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you have a great responsibility to follow Jesus Christ and to become a fisher of men. Christ's last act before his death on the cross was winning a soul. You know the thief that was crucified next to him? He won that soul to himself. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. His last command found in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, was to win souls. His last prayer, as he was dying on the cross, was for the forgiveness of souls, right? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus Christ's entire life was wrapped around fishing for men. So when he told Peter, and James, and John, and all those others, leave those nets. Come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. He was giving them a livelihood that was so much more fruitful and so much more profitable than any fish they could ever catch in a net. Bringing people to Jesus Christ is the highest accomplishment possible in this journey of life. Amen. I said this all the time, too, but if God didn't have something for us to do, then he would take us home the minute we accepted him as our Savior. He's got a job for us to do on this earth, and that's to become fishers of men, to win souls for Jesus Christ. Won't you determine today that you'll be a fisher for men? That's one of the only ways that you're going to find fulfillment on this earth. Oh, there's a lot of happy moments, a lot of happy times, a lot of picture-worthy memories, but none so happy as being able to win a soul for Jesus Christ. Won't you be a fisher for men. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for how good you are to us. What a great responsibility you've laid upon each one of our shoulders. If we know you as our Savior, then our job, we don't get the choice. Our job is to win others for you. So our choice is to either be fishers of men, to win souls to Jesus Christ, or to be disobedient to Christ. And so, God, I pray that you'd help every one of us to take this responsibility seriously. I pray that our, our burden, our desire would be f for each one of us to win one person to Jesus Christ this year. If our burden, if, if our all-consuming desire is to win one person for Jesus Christ, we're going to win more. With your help, I pray that you'd help us to be fishers of men, that you'd give us that burden, that desire to just tell others about Jesus you would stand at your seats with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Perhaps you thought of somebody again, and I know I've had you focusing on this the last or the first few weeks of this new year. But perhaps God gave you a renewed desire to go share the message of the gospel with somebody. Most of you, just about all of you, have a list, a card with names on it. Hopefully you've been praying for those people, but hopefully you've shared the gospel with them. 
How are you doing? How are you doing in each one reaching one? Have you told them? Have you, have you invited them to Jesus? Have you invited them to church? Or is it just a list that, man, this is great if these people would come to know Jesus Christ. I hope somebody tells them. Hope they come to church and maybe hear the gospel and get saved. Or are you being a fisher of men? Are you winning souls for Jesus Christ? As the piano plays this morning, the invitation is open and you can come. If God's spoken to your heart, you can come.